the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Planted with Sarah Pion. I'm Sarah Pion, your host, and today we are fortunate to have Aliza Sherman on the show. Aliza is the CEO of Elementa, a women's wellness company with a focus on cannabis and CBD. She's also the publisher of HerCannaLife.com, a website showcasing women in the cannabis industry. Aliza's early work on the internet helped pave the way for today's web industry. She started the first woman-owned full-service internet company in 1995, Cybergirl Incorporated, and the first global internet networking organization for women, Webgirls International. Newsweek named her one of the top people who matter most on the internet that same year. In 2009, Fast Company called her one of the most powerful women in technology. She's the author of 12 books, including Cannabis and CBD for Health and Wellness, The Happy Healthy Nonprofit, Mom Incorporated, and The Social Media Engagement for Dummies. And thank you for being on the show today. I'm just really excited to have you here. Um, I actually, at the Apothecarium, where I'm public education officer, we have a boutique there. And I was going through the mm. books, and I, we have your book in our boutique. And it's oh. actually, it's been quite popular. Yeah. Nice, nice. Well, good. I want, I want that book to be everywhere. My co-author, Dr. June Shin, and I really worked hard on getting a book that covered all the bases for the beginner and for even the intermediate or expert consumer. So we're super proud of the book and I just want it to be in on every bookshelf. Yeah, I, I have to say when I, I was actually going through it after I taught class the other night and somebody was asking for good books for further information about cannabis and I had I sent them home with that and and the cannabis pharmacy because those have become two of my most favorite books to send home with people. I wanted to know how you came about the idea of of writing the book and 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 actually how did you connect with Dr. June? Well, I have been writing books for years now and as I delved into the cannabis industry, it just made sense that my next book would be about everything I had been learning about cannabis that I didn't know about going into this industry. And also because I was so interested in cannabis as medicine, and I'm really open and receptive to alternative medicines of all kinds. And so it just made sense for me to put that information together because that's kind of what I do. I, I learn something new or I experience something and I write about it. And connecting with uh, Dr. June Chin, I had heard that she spoke at one of our events. So my company, Elementa, hosts events across the country and really across North America. And the New York City one had Dr. June, Dr. June Chin as an expert. So I heard she was great and I was looking for a doctor who I could co-author with. And I had been co-authoring for the last several books I'd written. It's a little bit easier when you're also running a household and a business or two <laughs> to have a co-author. And she said, yes, I, she was the first person I asked. She said, yes. And we started writing together purely online and never even met face-to-face until we started on our book tour. So we had been writing for months and months together and published the book, and then we finally met face-to-face. I, I think it's so important to have people like you who become interested in a subject and then are able to help disseminate the information for other people because there's so much out there. I know for myself as an educator, two, the, two of the most important things I do is um, – actually talk about the stigma from the past and and kind of mm. you know the myths and legends that are around that stigma but also now with cannabis becoming more public and more in media and social media also disseminating a lot of the things that people are saying that aren't necessarily true because it's it does a lot of great stuff it's wonderful as a part of your holistic medi- medicine regime but it's it's not a panacea and there just seem there's mm-hmm. you know and when we have those the false claims that almost pushes us back further into the stigma and and I know you and I have discussed this before but the, the stigma isn't even though it's lessened it, it we definitely are not free of it 
Oh, there's a very deep stigma. And for people who grew up during the intense prohibition propaganda campaigns of just say no, uh, with all the criminalization of cannabis, there's, there's very deep and intrinsic fears in many of us. I mean, even myself, I teach about cannabis. I talk about cannabis. I, I have used it for insomnia, for pain relief, and I still look over my shoulder and worry about who knows I do this and will I get in trouble for this. And I live in a legal state. I live in the state of Alaska where cannabis has been essentially decriminalized, basically legal since 1975. So it's a very different environment up here, and yet I still feel that viscerally. And so I talk about that too. I want to speak openly about this very genuine, almost knee-jerk reaction to the stigma. And one of the things that we really set out to do is to educate women about the facts and also about how to discern what's real and what's not. Uh, When I wrote the book with uh, Dr. Chin, she and I We're very careful about basing our statements in research that exists. And there's a lot of research out there. So anyone who always makes that claim there's hardly any research is not being honest or is not educating themselves because there's a lot of research out there. Education helps us dispel myths and helps us get over those fears. But there's still that thing inside a lot of us that just nags at us. And that's the hard part to get out. That's cellular stigma and fear. Yeah. I think that it takes actually experiencing the relief of using cannabis as medicine to understand how, um, how strong the stigma is. I had a, I had a patient who came in who had had been battling breast cancer for over four years and she had really bad neuropathy, Mm -hmm. gabapentin, all those other pharmaceuticals weren't helping her. And she really did not want to try cannabis. She was nervous about it, but it was a last ditch effort that her doctor had recommended. Um, And she came in with her adult son who was, she had said he was prominent in real estate in San Francisco. And she was really worried that anyone would even know that they were there. Um, and I told them, mm. you know, no, you know, we're, we're, we're HIPAA compliant. You're safe. We can have the conversation. And she was really, the stigma of getting caught, the stigma of even just trying cannabis because of what she thought people who use cannabis were like. Also, mm-hmm. the fear of getting high is really super strong. Um, and when we mm. got her on a high ratio of CBD to THC, um, I sent her home with a tincture, and I told her it was 18 parts CBD, one part THC. So for most of us, not euphoric. Um, But I also Mm. told her it would help her with her anxiety, taking it down. And she said, I don't have anxiety. And you know how we often know our parents better than they know themselves. (laughs) Her, Her son said, yeah, no, Mom, you do. You've got anxiety. And she called me three days later saying that, you know, the numbness was still there, but the pain and the burning she'd been struggling with for years were gone. And she was really angry that she had been kept from what would give her comfort and relief because of, of fears mm-hmm. that had been created by other people. And um, she was a retired pharmaceutical salesperson. Hmm. So, so I thought that... Yeah, the, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing to me how we... We carry that with us and we suffer. We carry a lot of pain, whether it's physical pain, psychological, or, or maybe spiritual pain as well. We, we have a lot of trauma, all of us, whether it's something from the outside, um, something that we've done to ourselves, environmentally, politically. It's just so that suffering, that internal suffering can manifest as physical pain. And that's one thing that I have seen with and learned about the cannabis plant, that it addresses parts of our brain, it addresses our endocannabinoid system and nourishes us. You never really think of that. Everyone thinks, oh, you get high. And I'm one of those people who I don't really like to be high. I don't like to be out of control. I don't like to be you know, drunk. I don't like not to have all of my faculties, but I do want to feel better. 
Yeah. And I do want to suffer less. Right. It's all about the balance. And I think that, you know, as an educator, I'm, I mean, and and I'm referring to you, it's just so nice to, I mean, there are lots of amazing educators out there. um, And I do believe that education, there's a certain relatability that comes with people being able to digest it. And, and the way that you're able to disseminate a lot of the information and also the fact that, you know, you are a writer of many books prior to your career in cannabis. You were a leader in tech as a woman, as a mother. I think that that's very relatable and it makes people feel comfortable. Mm, well, I, I appreciate that. I, I think more than anything, if I were to explain what I believe my gift is, it is making information not just digestible, so not just taking all kinds of disparate and complex information and distilling it down, but making it personal and bringing my own personal story to it. And also asking others to share their personal stories and incorporating that into the teaching. Because we don't really learn from a strict, rigid lesson. We learn from storytelling. We learn from personal experiences of others. We learn from that sort of openness and sharing our own stories. And I encourage that. That's one of the things that we really encourage for our element uh, events. We call them gatherings or women's wellness circles. It's not about going to a class. It's about sitting in a circle and sharing your innate wisdom and your experiences. And I think that that is the more powerful way to teach and to learn. Mm, I agree. I think it also is really when you get to be with a bunch of people in a circle speaking and there's there's that you you, you have that kindred nature where people can relate to one mm-hmm. another and hear those stories. And and speaking of stories, how did how did you I know you said that we talked about that you you weren't in a getting high and that you were getting a lot of great relief by using cannabis, but how did how did you find it? What was your first experience where you had such a... Well, I, okay, let me go back. What was your first experience with cannabis, and what was your first satisfying experience with cannabis that got you thinking? <laughs> well, I, I definitely dabbled in high school and in college. I definitely also had the bad brownie experience. And mm. after that, I was pretty turned off from it and never really thought about it much after that. Maybe once or twice might have smoked a little with a friend or something, but it wasn't anything I thought out. And when I began to research the cannabis industry, so I, I get paid by some clients to do future trends and to see what's on the horizon, where are the opportunities for marketing and Cannabis as an industry seemed like there may be something there, and I began to pursue it for my own company. So I, I've had a digital marketing business for many years. I also do content development, and I thought, well, maybe some of these cannabis companies in these new legal states are going to need services like this. Well, that was a bit of a stretch a couple of years ago because it was so volatile and so unpredictable, but... As I researched, I began learning about the medicinal value of the plant, and it shifted my thinking. And so when I was in my early 50s, suffering from menopause, suffering suffering from arthritis in my neck, I thought, well, maybe I could try cannabis, because I certainly didn't want to even try opioids at all. I did not want a painkiller, but I did want pain relief. It worked so well. I literally woke up the next morning after sleeping pain-free and sleeping through the night. And I cried because I was so relieved. I had thought this was my plight in life. I was going to be in pain for the rest of my life. That was a turning point because I could not find a forum where I could ask more questions about the health and wellness aspect of cannabis. Every forum out there was how to get into the business, how to get a job in the business, how to get your license, Nothing was saying how to feel better using cannabis and how to use it differently than we all were using back in the 80s and 90s. That 
was why I wanted to start Elementa. And that is the beginning of what has become this mission to teach about the medicine of the plant. And tell us more about Elementa, because that's, I know in recent years, I, I had definitely been hearing, you know, the name coming up, and especially with educational groups. Um, and and just the other month, I actually listened to a great webinar that you did on women, cannabis, and estrogen. Mm, yes, with Dr. Janela Chin, with my co-author. That's an incredible topic, and that is the reason why something like Elementa exists, because women's experiences with cannabis are vastly different from men's experiences because of our estrogen. There is a direct connection between the cannabinoids and the terpenes in cannabis, and, and in particular, THC and estrogen. And that in and of itself is a whole lot of stuff to learn so women can get more benefit from and understand why they're reacting to it differently than their male counterpart. So uh, Elementa is all about educating and empowering women to make better healthcare choices, especially around incorporating cannabis into their healthcare routines or to care for acute or chronic conditions. Then it's also Elementa is educating brands, cannabis brands, wellness brands on how to reach women in new ways. So you probably know cannabis companies and even CBD companies are very limited with how they can advertise and market. So we have built out a community of women who are hungry for this information, who want to know about new products. And we have multiple ways like the webinars and like the in-person gatherings in cities across North America, where brands can come and connect with women, not just women connecting to the brands and the information. So it's just this wonderful learning environment where everyone is being educated as they're connecting and, and as these products are being developed and bought and sold. I think that's great because I, I have to say that there are a lot of wonderful products out there that for women to enjoy, but there's also the one thing that always gets me is when they make recommended dosages because we're walking chemistry experiments and you know we all <laughs> metabolize it so differently. And, and to be able to have the conversation around that, I think, is extremely important. And I think it's wonderful that companies are coming to your events, too, because that may help them see another side of it. I know that in theory, they believe that education is important, but when you're juggling so many other things around the legal aspects of cannabis and product making, that can fall by the wayside when you're trying to make sure that your permits are in order and that your packaging is mm -hmm. good and you've got your lab testing. Compliance. Yep. Yeah. And that's a lot, that's a, that's a heavy burden to shoulder, much less adding the education component on top of it, too. Well, that's, that's why Elementa does what we do. That's why we do what we do. It's, it's because we want to make it easy for these brands to get in there, align themselves with this education, because all of us benefit. Women benefit with more education about cannabis. How does it work? Why does it work? Why does it work differently depending on where I am in my cycle? Why does it work differently from anybody else? Because it is so individual. And how do you deal with dosing plant medicine? So all of that is a part and parcel of the kinds of things that we're doing. And meanwhile, co companies are learning more about, you know, wait a minute, did you test this product on menopausal women? You didn't. You don't understand why you need to? Well, let, let us explain why. And how can you make your product better? How can you take into consideration the fact that women are the gatekeepers to the medicine chest in every home? And so she's not just serving herself and her complex female hormonal self, but she's also serving most likely her kids. She's taking care of her partner. She's taking care of possibly her aging parents. Maybe her girlfriend has breast cancer. 
So she's really at the hub of care. By putting better information and better products into her hands, that is going to help our whole industry thrive. Oh. We all benefit from the educated female consumer. A- absolutely. And I, I think, too, going back to when we were talking about research, there is a lot of research out there. And some of that research is a lot of that research has been done with male rats when it's been in the lab. So some of that doesn't mm-hmm. even serve us as women very well either. It's true. It's true. I know Israel, are, they're doing some clinical trials now, one in particular on endometriosis and mm-hmm. cannabis. That's amazing to be able to do it with women, with human females. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that is going to give us so much better insights and information on, in terms of how this plant works with us. But again, the greater challenge being that as plant medicine, it's not always the exact same dose or strain or form for every person. It's not like going to the drugstore, getting something over the counter, reading the instructions, taking it as directed, and it does something for you. And I, always, I don't even say it helps or cures because all, uh, all these pharmaceuticals are often just masking things. The thing that I like about plant medicine, the thing that I like about cannabis, it's not trying to mask things, although it does address symptoms. It actually helps create more balance, homeostasis in your systems, which helps everything from your reproductive organs to your endocrine system to respiratory, heart, uh, nervous system. It's, it's pretty interesting and impressive, really. But when you think of the plant, just even learning about the fact that this plant is more like a superfood, if you will, or a super plant, because it is so rich in so many chemical components that seem to be quite compatible with the human body in general. Yeah, that's, that's so true. Um, before my classes, I always quote Dr. Donald Abrams, who, who said that if, and, and this, is, this is not his exact quote because I always read it exactly, but he basically says <laughs> that if cannabis were discovered today, that researchers would be doing everything they could to find out the potential benefits of the plant, that it's, it definitely mm-hmm. is a superfood. And when I talk, when I do trainings with pharmacology students and nurses and physicians, they always want to have exact ratios and dosages for people. And that's, mm. it's that conversation that you have to have about, it, it's not that. It's, it's about starting slow and low, finding the goal being the appropriate ratio at the lowest volume possible to create a reaction in the body. And about how they're, and I think it speaks to how we really need more time with our healthcare providers to have more conversations and be given the tools to be able to monitor ourselves and to be our own advocates, um, especially in this day and age mm-hmm. where you need your 15 minutes with your doc. Yeah, being uh, your own health advocate is such an important lesson and practice, and it's something that many, many women don't do, and many women are still being dismissed by their doctors, not even regarding cannabis, but regarding anything, heart issues, anything at all there is still a lot of dismissiveness that it is more a woman's emotional problem as opposed to a physical problem. And the fact that so many of our illnesses or conditions as women present differently than men, such as heart attacks. And we're just, we're so variable. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We're so complicated. And the medical community just has not caught up. Not to mention the fact that doctors are still not being trained on the endocannabinoid system, which was discovered so much more recently than all of our other systems, 89, 1990. But that in and of itself is very limiting when a doctor cannot learn about it when he or she's becoming a doctor and then cannot talk about it when working at a hospital that's federally funded. So... So many limitations. Finding good information becomes really challenging for the layperson, for the patient, for the consumer. Oh, absolutely. And one of the things that I always tell clients is tell your doctor what you're using. Don't be afraid of having mm-hmm. the conversation on cannabis if you're in a state where you can legally do it. 
because they learn from us. That's the one thing that physicians always tell me is that they learn so much by getting feedback from their patients about what they're using for mm-hmm. cannabis, but they also need the big picture for if other things are going on. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, I well, that's can't... important. That's important is how it reacts to other medications. So if you think of plant medicine, it's medicine and any medicine you take will react with other medicines you take. And that in and of itself is why it's so critical to tell your doctor that you're taking it. So I've gotten into the habit when they say, are you taking any medication? I say, yes, cannabis or CBD oil. And Instead of telling them at the time when they say, and do you use any substances like marijuana? I always tell them at the medicine side of the conversation. Uh, but that's so critical because it will it could change the way your medicine is working. Oh, absolutely. And I know for myself as, as a cancer survivor, I was on a lot of different medicines for pain for neuropathy and other things. And also for anxiety from PTSD, post-treatment. Mm-hmm. And to be able to tell them that, you know, I'm using cannabis as medicine to be able to take other things off of what I'm regularly using, saying, no, I'm no longer using my Norco. I'm not using Xanax. I'm not using Mm -hmm. any of these other things. And that sometimes that in itself gets the physician thinking, too, because it's like we know now that extended use of Xanax can cause dementia later in life. And we've Mm -hmm. known for a long time that it's addictive, along with opiates. You know, we have an epidemic with that. Um, I wanted to, I know that when you did the webinar with Dr. Chin, she gave a lot of the information around estrogen and cannabis, but would you be able Mm -hmm. to give our listeners just a couple sound bites, a, a couple bits of information on how estrogen works depending on our, or not estrogen, cannabis works depending on our hormone levels? Well, uh, a lot of the endocannabinoid system and the receptors in the endocannabinoid system, there are receptors in our reproductive organs. And the estrogen receptor is a place where THC especially can have an effect. And so that I found really interesting because most of us don't even know we have an estrogen receptor, <laughs> much less that if you don't understand the endocannabinoid system and the fact that it's made up of so many receptors where the chemical compounds in cannabis can bind to them, or in the case of CBD, can modify some of the other cannabinoids, such as THC, to have it present a different effect. So to think that we have this estrogen receptor that is along the same lines as our endocannabinoid uh, system, all of a sudden that just changed the picture for me when she told us that. I think also knowing that it is THC that seems to have the greatest variability depending on where you are in your cycle. And one of the questions I asked her too Because she had said, when you're ovulating, you're going to be much more sensitive to cannabis. And I said, well, what if we don't have our periods anymore? Do we still have a cycle? And she said, yeah. And so even though we don't have so many overt signs of our cycle, we should become more in tuned, even as menopausal women, more in tuned with a cyclical nature, the ebbs and flows of our own hormonal makeup, which is vastly different from a woman in her 20s or 30s. And then that could also tell us when THC is going to react differently within our bodies and our brains. So I found that really interesting too. Uh, So there's a lot of that we don't really think about and talk about just simply about female reproductive health and our cycles and menopause. It's not a sexy conversation. <laughs> but if you think about all of the symptoms of menopause and how cannabis, first and foremost, if it can help regulate your hormones, even when you're in serious hormonal flux, and if it can alleviate some of those really uncomfortable symptoms, that's great news for a lot of women who have suffered, and particularly 
somebody like myself, I don't take hormone replacement therapy. I never have, and I don't plan on doing it. But there are things within cannabis that can be almost replacing uh, some of the lost estrogen. So all of that, to me, is good news for women. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's... I, I think that it's amazing how if you kind of, how do you say, organize the way you use your cannabis, how it helps you become more in touch with your body um, because you're actually mm. noting how you're feeling after you're taking something. And I think a lot of times in this world today, we, we get so caught up in, you know, FOMO and, and running around with our laptops and our phones and social media and everything that we've lost touch with our bodies. But also, as I'm hearing you say this, I'm also thinking about the fact of as women, how much we don't have the conversations, the deep conversations about what happens to our bodies past the initial menstruation conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's so true. And that's, and that's the beauty of an elemental gathering. You can't really go to a cannabis networking event and say, I have painful sex <laughs> and I want and I want to relieve that. You can't say that. But at an element together, you can. You can say, look, I, not only vaginal dryness, but painful sex. And what can I do about it? Can cannabis help? And systemically taking in cannabis, particularly CBD, and then topically applying THC products and CBD products, lubricants, sprays, all of that can be very, very helpful to something that's extremely common, but nobody's talking about it, especially not in public. But right. you, you can talk about that at an elemental gathering. Now, I, I, I just, the, the safe space aspect of it, I just think is wonderful because especially when people feel safe to have the conversations, I think they also absorb the information better too. And when we're looking at a lot of the issues that we have with our bodies as women, if you're dealing with endometriosis, if you're, you know, perimenopausal or menopausal, a lot of the things that our physicians are telling us to do is is, is use hormones. For endometriosis, it's, you know, mm-hmm. birth control pills, hormone therapy for when you're going through menopause. And we also know that there are, are side effects with that, too, especially for those of us who have mm-hmm. predispositions to certain cancers. That is very true, and that makes it so scary to me that we do have limited choices in sort of modern Western medicine in terms of what we can do, and those things do have such bad side effects. And that's something else that I learned about cannabis is that when taken as medicine, it typically does not have really, really bad or long-lasting side effects. So you could take an anti, not, well, I get a pain medicine, for example. You take a pain med, like an opioid, and then you have all kinds of other problems, not to mention addiction, but constipation, for example. And if you take cannabis for pain, it does not constipate you. I mean, that's a very small and mild side effect and yet it can be extremely painful and dangerous and it could cause multiple other problems oh yeah so to be able to take a medicine that does not have those kinds of negative side effects is it's a revelation it's great and i i worry though i worry about the synthesizing of cannabis because I do know, well, you said you have experience with cancer. There is a synthetic form of cannabis. Is it Marinol? That's used uh, as a pain reliever and cancer patients I've spoken to say it doesn't really work, but if they vape some cannabis, it does. Yeah, no, you're right. Because that's when I was going through treatment, my mother was doing cancer research in Dallas. So I would, I'd have three days of chemo. Um, They'd unhook me. I'd hop on a plane and go see my mom. And cannabis is what got me eating again. And going to the constipation thing, as a colon cancer patient, the constipation from opiates or my anti-nausea drugs could have killed me. 
at that point. Mm. And they were like, absolutely, under no circumstances can you have that happen. That can, you know, wow. they're wow. like, yeah. For most of us, it's it's a uncomfortable inconvenience, but for somebody going through that, they can die. Um, yeah. And I did get Marinol to travel with because, of course, I didn't want to travel with cannabis on a plane. You know, I was worried about sure. going through TSA. And the synthetic Delta 9 THC is proof that we really need a full spectrum in our cannabis medicine for it to be really helpful because smoking mm-hmm. or eating cannabis gets got me eating, but taking Marinol, I lost my whole weekend with my mom. I was I didn't want to eat. I was crabby. I was mm-hmm. groggy, and I just wanted to stay in bed. Wow. Yeah, and that's that's not how you get better. That's not how you heal. That's not how you get to a better place in health if you're out of it like that. So I, I feel like we we're part of that movement, if you will, of people who are open to educating themselves more and more about this plant and who are trying it themselves and finding relief from it. And then who go out there and educate others yeah. to help others feel better. I mean, that is a great movement to be behind. I think that whether you decide to make topicals or edibles or whether you decide to be a teacher or even a marketer, if we all base what we do on the empowerment and education of others so we all can feel better, all take charge of our own health, all be able to care for the ones we love. I mean, I think that's, <laughs> that's an amazing thing. I'm really excited and proud to be part of that. I agree. I feel the same way. I, I feel like there are, there are people who are on the train with us wanting to, you know, really educate people because educated consumers I think that that also brings up the demand for uh, quality products that are well thought out. And I think that if we don't educate people, because there's also another, there's a recurrence of the movement around synthetic cannabinoids. And I'm, I'm a little concerned about that because after, Mm -hmm. you know, experiencing Marinol, I am thinking, well, what are they, what are they planning with this and how is that going to be helpful? And to me, it smacks of hubris because, Mm -hmm. We really, we can't recreate nature. And a lot of the things... Well, that's true. You know, and, and things that we thought were inactive mm-hmm. before that we, we bred out of cannabis, we've learned since that they aren't like CBD, you know. And mm-hmm. there are, I'm sure there'll be other things that we discover in the future that will be along those lines that we will realize the value when our, our science gets up to par. <laughs> that that's so true. And I think what I really like about what I'm learning and writing and talking about uh, regarding the cannabis plant, it's not just THC and CBD. <laughs> there are so many other cannabinoids and those that are being uh, studied are being found to have other great benefits. And I, I just love that. I love learning about THCV and CBN, and I, I'm also on the fence about the synthetic, but the manufacturing process, the process of the, you know, having the whole plant, the extraction process, all of that to me is very fascinating. I want to know how my medicine was derived. I want to know what is in it and how close to Mother Nature, to the original plant, is it. I want to have that information and I want to share with others why that's important, Mm -hmm. why and what you're getting. I don't ever want to vilify an isolate, um, but it is less effective. That's not me trying to say that it's bad. There are benefits of having isolates, but it's not going to be as effective. So just that whole idea of knowing where your medicine came from, is sort of like knowing where your food is coming from. There's a lot of benefit to that because we are often so far removed from the sources of our food and the sources and the process that our medicine is coming to us as. So I think that's that kind of education is very, very different 
than just learning the surface information about it, like really digging deep. And, and that's why when we wrote our book, Dr. Chen and I, when we wrote our book, it was, let's start with history. Now let's go to the plant and botany. Let's talk botany. <laughs> and I actually had to get a, uh, someone with a doctorate in cannabis cultivation to help us with that chapter because that's not either of our expertise. Um, but Dr. Robert Flannery of Dr. Rob Farms was kind enough to share some of his wisdom on that. But it was to us that was the sequence. You learn about the history. You have to learn about the botany of the plant. Learn about the science. Now let's start to break it down and talk about the cannabinoids and the terpenes. And now let's talk about the forms and move all the way to what, what's on your shelf and what you're taking and putting into your body. And um, I think that's that's a good way to learn. That's a holistic way to learn. Yeah, that's that's an excellent way to learn because we we are so separated from all, everything that you know. All the all the process around cannabis before it, mm-hmm. it comes to the dispensary. We see the packaged edibles. We see the dried flowers, and a lot of times people don't understand how it all comes to be, and and we forget that it's a plant. When I was teaching um, a class for Chinese medicine practitioners, I took a big bouquet of fresh flowers and I put it on a va- in a vase and put it on the desk, and they were all it's like they, in one way they knew that it came from a plant, but they were, it was still very surprising and eye opening for them to actually have it right in front of them where they could smell it, Mm. you know, and it was fresh. It was green. It wasn't dried. Mm -hmm. You're getting the aroma of those, those buds before, you know, before they're smoked because everyone is used to the smell of dried cannabis or the smell of cannabis burning. Not many people get to Mm -hmm. experience like being around fresh, living colas Mm. yeah that was one of the things that was fascinating to me as well because I had never been around a plant and I was speaking at a I think it's called the THC fair uh, the hemp and cannabis fair THC fair and I won a cannabis plant and it was it was beautiful and just it, it was actually grown in a way so that it had a very, very thick, almost uh, trunk-like stalk. And it was just large and bushy and very pungent. And that was my very first experience with seeing the live plant. And I found it fascinating. I just thought to myself, well, yeah, this is this is it. This is the beginnings of... Uh, of all of these products that are out there. And back then there weren't as many products as there are now. It's just so rapid the way that companies are coming up with different forms and, you know, breath mints and breath strips (laughs) and nasal sprays. And I'm just thinking, wow, what next? And that takes education as well. Like how do you use those new forms of cannabis? Because they're not the plant, but what can you do with the plant as well? That's a wonderful lesson, juicing the leaves and such. So it's all very fascinating to me. I, I still am just in a constant state of learning. I think we all are and we all need to be and we all need to be open to learning more about this plant um, and, and sharing the benefits. Yeah, that's, that's, I think, one of the things that I love most about the work is that we we never we'll never know everything. We're constantly learning more things, um, theories that have you know come about before. Some of them have been debunked and replaced with more solid, solid science-backed information. Um, I just mm-hmm. I love that because it, it's so stimulating. And in the midst of all of this and, and creating Elementa and writing the books and talking about cannabis and as you're growing this, wh- what are you seeing as challenges? Wow. There's all kinds of challenges. You know, challenges for Elementa include the fact that we're still a startup. We're a scrappy little startup with a lot of guts and grit. Uh, but that can be really hard in the volatile industry that we're facing with the changing regulations, changing laws, 
restrictive laws here and expansive laws there, but unclear. Um, so there's a lot of that sort of irregularity, lack of consistency that can make it challenging for any entrepreneur. The industry is still emerging and now there's all of this money that's flowing in it. And yet it's not reaching everyone who really needs it. There's still a lot of disparity. There's still a lot of discrimination. There's still, you know, when you think about women owned and minority owned businesses in the industry, not getting the same kind of funding, not getting the same kind of press and attention. It's, there's, you know, challenges everywhere. <laughs> um, so I think education is a step in the right direction. It helps on all fronts. The more people are educated, the more their eyes are opened to facts and science, the better. But that's still challenging, too. There's so many people who are still naysayers and so many states and places where this medicinal plant is still illegal. So there's... Mm -hmm. How, how many challenges? Let me count the ways. <laughs> oh, I know. Well, and I was also thinking, too, about just the challenges of being a, a cannabis education company that doesn't even touch the plant, but sometimes being treated as though you do. Yeah, that is definitely a challenge. I mean, all the cannabis and CBD companies have a lot of limitations in terms of where they can advertise, how they can sell. So the transactions, the lack of banking, the lack of... Um, often payment transaction software that they can use. Uh, all of that is challenging. But then, yeah, we just talk about it. <laughs> and we often face a lot of the same limitations. Um, there are websites where we cannot do business because we just have cannabis in the description of what we do. Uh, and we've been banned from advertising on Facebook even though we are doing nothing more than sharing information. And I find that just a crime. I really do. It's terrible. But we've been able to overcome some of these obstacles. We uh, talked to, to Eventbrite, explained what we did. And even recently, one of our events was taken down on Eventbrite. But I wrote to them and I said, what did we do wrong? And it was just one word. One word flagged it, and I'm like, oh, okay, well, let me change that word. And they're very, very amenable to working with us because they took the time to understand we're not out there selling pot. <laughs> we are educating about a medicinal plant. So there are challenges like that for everybody. Uh, I, I find it also fascinating because a lot of these it's tech companies, social media companies, invite companies are in the Bay Area where I am. And mm. I would be really interested to do a survey of their employees to see who actually actively uses cannabis. Mm. Yeah, I, you know, I, I've been thinking about cannabis use amongst employees and how anybody's employee handbook may need to be re-looked at in terms of cannabis, especially people using cannabis as medicine. And I think there's a lot of changes that are going to be made uh, to all different aspects of our society, really, if you think about it. Everything from the medical uh, practices to employment practices, it does change things. It makes things uh, a little more complicated sometimes, a little more interesting. But we have to have these conversations. There is no single right answer, but you have to start talking about it. Yeah. What we knew 10 years ago is very different from what we know now and what we're doing now. And so it's, there's a lot of work to still be done. Yeah. A lot of work. A lot of work, a lot of subtleties. It's not, everybody wants a black and white answer, um, but that just doesn't exist. It's, it's all about the relationship mm -hmm. with how you use cannabis, what you're using it for. You know, is it helping you? Are you using it to not think about things or deal with stuff? It's, it's, mm -hmm. it's about mindfulness. And that's, I think that's, that's a hard thing for us in this day and age. I don't, I think that we've, 
as as some people start turning more towards mindfulness, other people just get so caught up in the day to day that they it's it's just a hard thing to hold space for for oneself, which I think is truly tragic. It is. And mindfulness, that's a, such a great word, especially when it comes to cannabis, being mindful of the plant, being mindful of how you feel before you take the plant and then how you feel during and then after being mindful of the changes within yourself as you become healthier, as there's less pain, but overall just simply being mindful. And that works well with the cannabis plant. The cannabis plant almost invites you to slow down and be more introspective and just engage in more self-care. I think that in and of itself, it's almost like the spirit of this plant is, is healing. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, this weekend, I actually went to the Emerald Cup up in Santa Rosa. And I was having a lot of conversations with people just around education. And also in the new year, we're actually having our cultivation taxes are going up. So that's going to impact a lot of our critically ill on fixed incomes, even though we passed the compassion bill and we're going to have compassion programs to help some of these people. It's still going to be really hard for people to afford their cannabis because it's since we don't have insurance coverage and I get a lot of people who are frustrated and angry And I think that cannabis also is a call to action because one of the things that I say to people is, I understand, you know, it is frustrating and this isn't the dispensaries doing this, this isn't the product companies doing this, this is taxation and regulations that our government is putting together. And some of them are really good. Like the testing is amazing. We do need to have things tested. Things need to be Mm -hmm. packaged in a way that it's trackable in case something happens to a a batch. We need to be able to pull it. But, you know, if if you're upset that there's, we're being overtaxed, which we are, and that there's a lot of additional things that, I mean, the cannabis you get in a dispensary is safer than your organic produce, which is good and wild at the same time. And so, <laughs> you know, it's like, tell, I think the big thing for people that they need to do, especially as consumers is, hey, I'm an active member of my community. I get stuff done. I am respectable. I use cannabis and I vote. <laughs> yes, I, I, I think the stereotypes of the stoner and the cannabis user who's using it in excess, who's not using it with that mindfulness as medicine, that is really going by the wayside. Not that there's anything wrong with getting stoned, getting high, enjoying that feeling. When you think about it, laughter, relaxation, all of that, that's part of wellness. So that's okay. But I think that saying that a person uses cannabis is a certain way and not realizing the how many people are using it and that we all do have the power of our pocketbook, the power of our boat. And we are so passionate about this plant that I think that many of us are, well, I, I always say an educated woman, but this is true for anybody, an educated person is a natural advocate and ad, an activist. Once you learn about it, once you're educated about cannabis, you can't help but want to tell everybody else. You can't help but want, but want the laws to change and the access to be greater, for, particularly for those in need. You just can't help it. It's just the nature of discovering the power of the plant. Yeah, and I think that going back to when we were talking about stigma still being alive, I think that our lawmakers and regulators still have a lot of bias and they don't see the faces. I I really wish that they would spend an afternoon in my waiting area so they could see all the different people that are using it successfully and are, you know, they're, they're getting on with their lives and they're doing things. And, and like you said, there's absolutely nothing wrong with being high. And, and stoner culture, you know, is actually, it's, it's a rich segment of cannabis culture because you know, these are the people who kind of kept the home fires burning and kept everything alive when we were all afraid to talk about it or use it. Um, <laughs> you know, but like you said, it's not the majority of the population too. And, and 
they're going to start, I really hope that people start talking more about it and letting them know that they're going to lose votes and until they really get with the times and see what, what the public needs. Mm. Yeah, the times they are changing, yeah. and we all have the power to help them change and go down a good path. Uh, again, the big money is coming in. The big money is coming from other industries, the industries that have been discriminatory, industries that are driven by greed, industries that are not healthy. And we need to really plant the stakes in the ground and say, hold on a second. You know, we want this to be the medicine of the people. We want this to be something to heal people and to heal our planet. We want to have sustainable uh farms we want to have the most natural medicine that we can we do want the testing like you say and certain criteria to keep quality um to keep the quality up but we want to be to have an input in that because this is you know our planet this this is our lives our livelihood um yeah it's a whole new era it's well, a whole new movement. It's a whole new movement. We have this unique opportunity to to change mm-hmm. the way we do business. Just like the mm-hmm. tech sector changed a lot of how we do business or even just like work culture, we can mm-hmm. we can be more compassionate. We can say it, you can prosper and actually give back to your communities and and help people. We can we can help people become more aware of their bodies. We can help people have access to their medicine. We can enhance creativity and grow our creativity through the products that we even create or the ways that we teach. I just feel like mm-hmm. there's there are there are there are two different ways we can go in our future with this, and I really hope that the life giving one wins out. And and talking about the future, what do you see as far as the future of Elementa or anything around the future of the industry that you kind of that you see or that you want to talk about? Well, I think, well, if I look at just my own company, it's a startup. I'm not quite sure what the future holds. I would like to be partnered with a larger company with a lot more resources because grassroots is great, (laughs) but it doesn't go far enough. So I feel like what we do, the shape of what we've created is important and good we just need a lot more oomph behind it to truly, truly make an impact. I think the industry as a whole, it's just right there on the fence. On one side of the fence is the big money and the greed and the negative practices. And on the other side is the love and the compassion and the, the true caring and the healing. And we're standing right in the middle at the moment, and it could go either way. I'm not 100% sure I'm optimistic about the direction it's going in. There'll be some good things about it, but there's probably going to be a lot of bad, and we're going to have to deal with that too. Well, So to me, the future, I wish I could say the future is so bright I have to wear shades, but I'm not quite sure. <laughs> right. I'm not quite sure I believe that. <laughs> so, But I do believe in what we're doing. I believe in what you're doing. I believe in what we're doing. And I think that in and of itself is a great driver um, down a down a good path. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad that we're in this together. And I'm, I'm so glad that you came on the show today because, at least the work that you're doing is it's, it's it's so important. It's so valuable. And also, I want to do you want to give our listeners um, some information on how to look at classes, workshops, how they can contact Elementor or yourself? Yeah, so Elementa is E-double-L-E, which is French for her, Menta, M-E-N-T-A, which is the mind. So it really means her mind. That's Elementa. awesome. I love com. that. And on all the social networks are Elementa Woman, singular, Elementa Woman. And then, of course, my social network accounts are all under Aliza Sherman, A-L-I-Z-A-S-H-E-R-M-A-N. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for being on today. Um, I hope we can have you on another time because we have so many things that we can talk about. Anytime that you have something that you want to talk to our listeners about, you're always welcome to come back. 
Mm, well, thank you so much. How about my next book? <laughs> yeah. Hey, absolutely. Yeah. It's a date. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That sounds great. Well, and we should have June on as well because I'm writing another book with June. That would be cool. I would love that. I would love to have June on and have the two of you talking about it. And I know that our, our listeners would love that too because you can't get enough good information. And especially as women, you can't get enough good information. So Mm -hmm. thank you so much for being on today. Thank you. And listeners, thank you so much for listening in today. As always, we're always trying to get in the forefront of education, policy, just civil rights. This is a civil rights situation as well. We need to have access to good, safe medicine in an affordable way. So thank you for joining us on Planted today. Tune in next month. We'll have another great guest. Be active, educate yourself, and most of all, be kind. Take care.